When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is sponsored by TBR, Book Riot's new subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. Been dreaming of a stitch fix for books? Now it's here. Tell TBR about your reading preferences and what you're looking for, and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. Visit mytbr.co slash treatyourshelf to sign up today. That's mytbr.co slash treatyourshelf. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 35, and we are recording on September 20th. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with Sharifa Williams, and we're coming to you from Book Riot and from the summer cold season. Yes. (laughs) Both of us are sick. (laughs) It's so bad. Uh, You're worse off because you just got sick recently. I'm at the tail end of it. So we apologize in advance for any gross sounds we might make. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna mute myself. Yeah. (laughs) That's what the mute button is for, I guess. Yeah. And I'm, but I am a little croaky. So it's just gonna, it's just what it is. Um, Today's topic feels apropos because if I could go back in time (laughs) and like, like juice myself up with vitamin C, I would. Today, in case you had not guessed, we are talking about time travel, uh, which is very exciting. I love talking about time travel. Mm -hmm. But first, some housekeeping. We decided, because why not, that we're going to have an SFF Yeah book club. Yay! Yay! So exciting. And we picked our first book. It is Rosewater by Tade Thompson, which just came out this past week, well, at the time of this recording. And it is really good y'all i reviewed it recently in swords and spaceships it is set in nigeria it includes an alien biodome and people with all kinds of psychic and telekinetic and crazy powers um it is a weird ride it is definitely in the realm of like jeff vandermeer or china mieville or lauren bucus um or ten anarive do so that is what you are getting into if you decide to read along with us we are gonna do a discussion between the two of us on Halloween, it'll be a special Halloween episode of of SFF, yeah. And you, so that gives you a little bit more than a month uh, to read along with us. So definitely do that if you are so inclined. I'm really excited. We wanted to pick a spooky book, but we needed to pick one that I could handle. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> totally and, fine. Yeah. And this one was like just barely. I was like, oh, some of this is really gross, but I'm going to stick with it. And I was really glad I did. So again, that's Rosewater by Tade Thompson. And the special episode will be on Halloween. Yeah, I'm so excited about that. And I haven't mm-hmm. read it yet, as you probably know, because I haven't read it. I've been like checking in and I'm like, I, I, I still haven't read it, but I want to <laughs> keep it fresh anyway, because I'm the sort of person who forgets everything. So I'm really looking mm-hmm. forward to it and I can't wait to be scared a little bit. 
yes. <laughs> you will, I think you'll be fine. I mean, there's some gore, <laughs> but like otherwise you'll be fine because you're, you have a much stronger constitution than I do. <laughs> yeah. I just, I put myself into a lot of bad reading experiences and don't care if I'm going to have insomnia is basically what it is. <laughs> um, before we get into the news of the day, I'm going to tell you about our first sponsor, which is Epic Reads and the Caged Queen. So, Kristen Ciccarelli's epic Iscari fantasy series continues in The Caged Queen, the companion to her best-selling debut, The Last Namsara. This is perfect for fans of Kristen Kishore and Renee Adier. Enter a lush, intricately woven world of deception, dangerous magic, and dragons so that fantasy fans won't be able to resist. With formidable heroines, forbidden romances, and page-turning action, both books in this series will have you captivated until the very last page. Don't miss The Last Namsara and the sequel, The Caged Queen. And this is both are available now wherever books and audiobooks are sold. So thank you so much to Epic Reads and to The Caged Queen for sponsoring today's episode. All right, let's talk about some SFF news. And... I think I have to pick the most recent story I dropped in here because I was so mm. excited when I saw this that Jordan Peele is rebooting The Twilight Zone. Yes. Yes, I'm really excited. And the actual news was that um, Jordan Peele is hosting The Twilight Zone because I guess it had been previously announced that he was rebooting it. I think I might have missed that bit of news or I noticed it and forgot about it. But I I was the sort of person who used to always watch like the Thanksgiving marathons of The Twilight Zone. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it had a big part of my, it, it was a big part of my childhood. And Jordan Peele is great. I saw um, Get Out, which was everybody was talking about for a while. It took me a, a while to get around to actually watching it. But when I did, I was like, now I see why everybody has been talking about this movie. Um, Jordan Peele is was the writer and the director of Get Out. And so the new Twilight Zone reboot is going to be uh, released by CBS, uh, yeah, CBS All Access. And they just shared a debut teaser, which I watched, and I got all the chills just hearing because they used the original music, and then they have um, Rod Serling's original voice uh, coming in with the narration, and then you have Jordan Peele over it. You should listen to it for yourself. We'll drop a link, of course. And I just like, you know, you get the chills from that. This is like the sort of thing. I think I I really got into – science fiction short stories because of the Twilight Zone. And I'm really enjoying that there are a lot of these sort of anthology series like uh, Black Mirror that are coming out that have that sort of Twilight Zone feel. So it's kind of nice to have the actual Twilight Zone come back in a really different way. I'm sure Jordan Peele is going to put a completely different spin on it. Um, while keeping to some of the older elements of the original show. I don't know. Are you excited about this? Or am I like I mean, no, no. I am. I'm a huge Twilight Zone fan. I think Jordan Peele is an amazing person to have reviving it. Um, I this I think this is smart, but I'm also like it's CBS All Access, yeah. right? Do you do you already have a subscription? No, and this is the I, problem. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And will you get one just for this show? I don't think I will. I'm going to find any other way I could watch it. <laughs> like, I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping that maybe it'll come on to another stream. I just made you confess this on air. I'm sorry. I like that wasn't planned. But I know this is this is exactly my point. So it's, I think it's it's interesting because it's a really strong show to put behind a paywall because I do think people like this might be the tipping point for me like between Star Trek Discovery and Twilight Zone like mm, that's suddenly like I'm tired of paying everybody in the world five dollars a month but like yeah. that might be worth it um that might be worth it like that value proposition I think is a really smart one um I do think they're gonna face the same kind of blowback they got for Star Trek though that there are people who are just not gonna wanna pay for access um and yeah. so you know it'll be interesting to see what the responses are like but you you mentioned the thing that I was thinking about which is that yeah like short stories are having you know this sort of nice moment like they they never went away but they're having a lot more press and these anthology shows are all sort of taking off and seemingly doing very well I don't know the viewership stats for any of the ones out there but you know they're getting renewed so they must be doing well enough um so it does sort of feel like you know especially sci-fi shorts and horror shorts are like having a moment yeah and I think that's really cool I, I mean I would be excited about this anyway but from an industry standpoint I think this is super cool yeah, this does seem like a great time for it. Um, and I, I, you know, like I, I'm hoping there's a way for me to watch it. I think that you're, I, I think this would probably be worth, if it is like a $5 sort of thing to go back, like, cause now I'm feeling bad. <laughs> <laughs> if it is a $5 thing, I would probably do it. But yeah, I'm really curious about how it'll be received. Um, and what the viewership is going to be like. And I hope that this, you know, opens the door to maybe have it uh, released more broadly, I guess. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, it remains yeah. to be seen. But it's not coming out. We won't even know. We won't even see it until some – it says sometime in 2019. So we still got a little bit of a wait. Not that much, honestly, because we are approaching uh, yeah. the end of the year really quickly. <laughs> right. It's practically October. What the heck? It's terrifying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually love October. I think you're a Halloween fan too. I am if absolutely I remember correctly. Yes, yeah. I love so. fall, but I was uh, I was kind of clinging to the last days of summer. Yeah. To be honest, I just don't want winter to come in Portland. Oh, <laughs> but you know, Sharifa, winter is coming. Oh my goodness, I heard that coming. <laughs> I can't not do it. I approve. <laughs> All right. So let's see. Um, the next bit of news is also TV. Well, it's sort of TV and books related. I want to talk about all of the Avatar The Last Airbender news yes. because there is a bunch of it that we haven't... We've Some of this we've had sitting on the agenda for a while and some of it is fresh. So... The big news of the last week is that they Netflix has announced that they're doing a live action Avatar series, uh, which in in partnership with Nickelodeon and the um, original show's executive team are back. Which is I oh, so, so I'm a big Avatar Last Airbender <laughs> fan, Water Tribe, um, and I. I mean, obviously the movie was terrible, which is the first response for a lot of people. It's like, oh my gosh, why would you redo something that was so... The M. Night Shyamalan movie was awful, and it was whitewashed, and it was just... It was a disaster. Um, 
But I think I, I'm hopeful, guys. I'm hopeful. Like I, the the executive team has stressed that it would include a culturally appropriate and not white, white whitewash cast. Um, and there's so much rich material there, and I, it's hard to understand from the wording whether they mean a literal reboot or like it says reimagined, and that could mean any number of things. Like they could do different storylines, or they could do some of the same storylines. The image is obviously Ang and Appa. Um, but like it's from very far away, so you you know who knows what who knows what they're gonna do here. Um, I I can't help but be excited, mm-hmm. I, and also I'm really hopeful that this will mean that Avatar will come to Netflix because I need to do a rewatch. Like I'm jonesing for a rewatch, and it's not on streaming anywhere. And it would be really amazing if Netflix, who is now producing a show, would put it on there. Also related. I started watching The Dragon Prince, which is this, uh, the like Avatar, you know, team's newest cartoon. And it is super fun and diverse and has like both, you know, characters of color and disabled characters. And I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm about halfway through. So that's my little pitch for The Dragon Prince. (laughs) Um, And then the other piece of news. So, okay, so we're getting this live action series. It's from Netflix. But there also are books coming. There are YA novels coming. And I am even more excited about this because they've announced that the first book, which is about um, uh, the avatar Kyoshi, is going to go back to her storyline, which is like way before the storyline that you get in Avatar The Last Airbender. And the author is F.C. Yee, who wrote The Epic Crush of Jeannie Lowe, which I loved so much. Oh my gosh, it was so fun. Um, So yeah, like... and and Yi is doing this along with input from the co-creator Michael Dante DiMartino. So clearly the original team is involved. And I just cannot, I like, I need this book tomorrow. <laughs> um, it's not out until July, which is just cruel, but it's coming. And I'm really excited about that because it's such an amazing world. I mean, Avatar, it, it's just such a good world. And I would like all of the great writers to play in that world for me please and thank you like that's that's my feelings about that you're not an avatar fan though right or you haven't watched it yeah i'm really glad you chose this and got to muppet arms about it because i would have been like yes avatar it's a thing (laughs) because i i don't know i must have been like when it came out i must have been like in my indie films phase where i wasn't watching any animation Mm. or anything like that and the first time i really heard about avatar was when um, <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan's movie came out, which Ugh. is very unfortunate for me. So unfortunate. So it got so sort of tainted by that. And yeah. I haven't really thought about it since. So when this came up, I was like, ah, I should like maybe look into it. But yeah, you're right. It's not streaming anywhere. No. You can't watch it, which is ridiculous. And, you know, I didn't see these until I was an adult. Um, A friend was like, oh, you haven't seen this? You must sit down. And at that point, this was maybe, I don't know, maybe eight years ago. It was on Netflix. It was on Netflix for a while. Um, And so hopefully it'll come back sometime soon and more people can discover the joys of, (laughs) you know, I I just, uh, like of Aang and Katara and Sokka, like, uh, and Toph, my heart, my heart, you guys, my heart. (laughs) Um, So anyway, I'll stop talking about that now. (laughs) I'm totally sold on it. Like, I, I haven't really heard anybody talk about it. And so I feel like I kind of missed out. But I don't – I can't see Netflix not 
streaming it if they're doing this live action series. Like, I... they, One would think. Yeah. I feel like maybe they're going to do this live action series and then they're going to, you know, pull in people's interest, maybe people who haven't watched the animated series. And then, like, once they've captured their interest, they're going to do the streaming. Like, mm-hmm. oh, now mm-hmm. you can go back and see the original series. I don't know. There you go. That would be that would be savvy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know how these people are. <laughs> True. Truth. <laughs> but I'm hoping, I'm keeping my fingers crossed as well, not just for you, but also for me selfishly, so that I can go back and watch them. I think you would really, there's like, there's a character um, named Zuko who I think you would love because he's like he's very the Draco Malfoy of the Avatar: The Last Airbender universe. Okay, um, and I know you love a good Slytherin character. So. I do. I love all the villains. Yeah, I don't know if he's actually a villain, but villainous. Um, I'm not going to spoil it. Okay, for yes, you, but I will say <laughs> that he is voiced by the actor whose name oh, Dante. What's his last name? Who played Rufio in? Um, oh my Hook. goodness. It's amazing. Rufio. <laughs> yes, Rufio. Exactly. Amazing. So. Okay, this is awesome. I, I can't <laughs> wait. I'm going to find a way. Yeah. Go to block the one, the last blockbuster standing in like Oregon yes. or something. <laughs> Legit. <laughs> okay, do, let's see. Do we have time for another? Yeah. Yeah, we got time yeah, for one yeah. more. Uh, okay, then I want to talk about it. This is basically like adaptation central <laughs> today. And I can't, I talked a little bit uh, when I, when we had guests last week about Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House, but Back then, we didn't have – we got, like, a few, like, uh, stills of the movie or the series, rather. Sorry. And that was, like, you know, y- it's hard to tell what it's going to be all about just from the stills. But now, for the Haunting of Hill House trailer, Shirley Jackson's adaptation, eh, loosely based on Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House, we have an actual trailer – and I immediately went to go watch it because we posted this on the back channel of uh, the contributor Slack and everybody was like scared, like legit scared. <laughs> and then every time I went to see like actual like people's reactions, everybody was terrified. So I was like, okay, I have to watch this. And this actually might be – this might be something that y- you might not be into yeah. because it's got like the kids that are maybe you know no. yeah I <laughs> I confess I didn't watch the trailer but mostly because I haven't read the book and I oh. try not to like I, especially with Shirley I mean it's to my extreme shame I have never read any Shirley Jackson so I try I feel like I should come to her through the words first that that makes sense I will say that this the series doesn't look like it's at all – I mean, mm. it doesn't look like it's – I'm I'm struggling to figure out exactly what the connection is to the haunting of Hill House other than just the house itself because hmm. the characters in it and the plot around the story are completely different from the actual book. Completely Weird. different. So this the, – the adaptation follows a family that grew up in Hill House – and in the original book, it was about a group of strangers who come together um, in Hill House. So it's following this paranormal investigator who rents out. And this sort of – this is a little bit closer to the novel uh, – follows a paranormal investigator who rents out the house. And uh, 
that was part of the story. But then you see the trailer and it's very different and it is definitely centered on this family and about the situation, like what happened to them growing up in Hill House. And you can't really tell. You know that there have been some really terrible tragedies that have occurred in this family and there are some repercussions to growing up that follow these kids into their life. And so I watched it and it definitely looks like traditional like if you're scared by things that jump out at you and supernatural entities that are creepy like the ring style I feel like this is gonna scare you (laughs) yes to all the above (laughs) yeah so I would definitely check out the haunting of Hill House trailer so that was one bit of news and then the other one was and this is one that was com- completely dropped off my radar and I think it's because it's a little bit more I think it, it this might be a little bit more indie because it's an adaptation this is a film adaptation of we have always lived in the castle and we just got like today I think we just got a clip of the movie itself because it's premiering this weekend on the Saturday following the recording of this episode it's premiering at the LA Film Festival uh and it I didn't realize this was happening, but We Have Always Lived in in the Castle is, like, one of my favorite books. I think that if you're – if you don't want to get into The Haunting of Hill House, actually, because of the fear factor, I think you might – I think you might like We Have Always Lived in the Castle because it doesn't have quite the same terror elements. It's more, like, under-your-skin, creepy eeriness – yeah, yeah. You know, Amanda has talked about this book a lot on Get Booked. Okay. And like, I, I, one of these days I'm going to read it. It's going to happen, I swear. I know. Also, you know, I was surprised. I mean, obviously, Shirley Jackson is not specifically my wheelhouse, but I was really surprised that I hadn't heard of this because, like, Chris, Crispin Glover and Sebastian yes! Stan are in this. Like, it's a really good cast. Tysa Farmiga, like, why don't I know about this? I know. It must have been. That's why I was thinking it must be an indie movie. I don't know if they had like the same marketing dollars to promote Mm. it because we see, you know, Netflix has and The Haunting of Hill House is going to be on Netflix. Netflix has all this money. So, of course, we see it everywhere. Right. And then this is more of a indie under the radar film release that's premiering at the L.A. Film Festival. So I think that maybe they just didn't have like the marketing dollars to get it in everybody's face. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but it does look really good. It kind of, it has that same feel visually as I might imagine from the book. I think the only other way that it would have fit in with my reading experience is if it was black and white, but I think I'm just influenced <laughs> by the book cover. <laughs> yes. It's iconic, that book it cover. It is. I love that book cover. Mm-hmm. But both of them look great. Um, I'm definitely going to check out the Haunting of Hill House series. Thankfully, it's streaming on Netflix, which I do have access to. <laughs> Goodness gracious. And hopefully I'll be able to find um, We Have Always Lived in the Castle somewhere out there, maybe at the theater nearby. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that's it for our news. I think you're right. <clears throat> and before we get into our picks for time travel, I'm going to tell you about our second sponsor, which is, if I can pull it up, <laughs> it's called <laughs> Upgrade Soul, and we're sponsored by Lion Forge. So 
Upgrade Soul follows Hank and Molly Nonner, who decide to treat themselves to an experimental rejuvenation procedure in celebration of their 45th anniversary. But when the procedure doesn't go as planned, Hank and Molly are faced with the horrifying results. Severely disfigured, yet intellectually and physically superior duplicates of themselves. Sounds horrifying. Upgrade Soul asks probing questions about the nature of identity, aging, and the boundaries of science. And this is uh, by Ezra Clayton Daniels, who is the winner of the 2017 Dwayne McDuffie Award for Diversity in Comics. And the book releases September 18th from Lion Forge. And again, that was Upgrade Soul. Thank you so much for sponsoring this episode and to Lion Forge. Mm-hmm. All right. That sounds terrifying. Time travel. Yeah. Right. <laughs> time for time travel. Jen, why don't you kick us off with your time travel pick? I will. But first, I want to say my little thing that I always like to say about time travel, okay. which is that I'm constantly seeing people argue about whether time travel is sci-fi or fantasy. And my answer to this is both because it just depends on the mechanism. So my favorite example for this is like Back to the Future, right? That's sci-fi time travel because it involves science. And then Harry Potter, you have magical time travel because you have the time turner. So it can be either or it can be both. It can be any number of things. Um, So that is one of the reasons why I love it. Although I will say that I also get a bee in my bonnet about time loops when those are employed because they make me feel like a crazy person when I'm reading the book Um, but the books I have picked have done really interesting things with them and so my brain is okay in case you were worried Um, (laughs) just just so you know my brain is fine Um, so for my sci-fi pick I went back and forth um, about it because there was one that's kind of on the funny side and one that's more serious so I'm just going to give a shout out to my favorite funny sci-fi novel uh, about time travel which is To Say Nothing of the Dog by Connie Willis it is hilarious and it's about like a futury sort of you know professor guy um, in a world where you can go back to the time period you study as a historians so historians do all this time traveling but they're not allowed to like change things they're very strict rules it's all built into the system and one of these guys gets sent back to a time period that he has not been prepped for and his like mission like brief goes awry and Mm -hmm. it's not like a fancy mission it's like a silly one um or it's rather it's not supposed to be a hard one but every it's a farce like everything goes crazy he has to like pose as this victorian gentleman there's a love story there's a dog like there's a there's like all kinds of stuff and there's also world war ii stuff in it it's like very it's very fun um i just love it it's it's very enjoyable um but the it's so it's just so fun. It's so silly. Um, but the book that I picked to talk about for realsies is Version Control by Dexter Palmer because this is a time travel novel unlike any other ones that I have read. And I almost didn't finish it because it is a very slow burn, but I was so glad that I did. Um, and I'm gonna give a trigger warning for child death. It's hard to talk about this book plot-wise without talking about it, I think. So if you don't wanna hear about this, maybe skip ahead um but the book opens with a woman named Rebecca Wright who is 
a uh, she's basically an alcoholic. Um, she works like at home in customer support for an internet dating site. Um, everything feels like a little off. And her husband is a scientist who uh, he's a physicist who has been working on this project that he refuses to call time travel. It's a causality violation device, not a time machine. Um, and it has stalled out his career. And you know he's losing credibility. And their life is basically in a rut. And um, she is very depressed because her son died in a car accident. Um, Their young son died in a car accident. And so she is just kind of like a little bit drifting through her days. And you see how she got to this point. And... um, I, I confess she was like, like she is kind of classically unlikable. You're like, oh, your choices are not great. But she's also very identifiable with like, you're just like, oh, I, I hate that you made this choice, but I see how you got there. Um, and then one night um, she like gets really drunk and she goes to visit her husband at work. And that's when the book sort of takes a turn. And it is... I don't want to say anything more about the plot, but basically you're following this marriage and you're following these characters as they sort of struggle to deal with life in the context of this. I mean, it's, I picked it for a time travel show. So, you know, there's time travel. Involved. <laughs> um, but in the context of this, yeah, this thing. And it is, it is a really hard book to classify because it's, it, the science is sciency, so it's sort of hard sci-fi, but it's so much more character focused that it, like I think it probably pushes into speculative fiction territory, um, which you know is like neither here nor there. But I I I just I just cannot recommend strongly enough that if you want to to really have your brain exercised by a time travel novel in in the way that like you're thinking about like, yeah, what what would that look like on a super mundane level? Um, like what would the feelings be like? And would you know if you had time traveled, would you even know? And, 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 and how do you process, you know, this feeling that something is just off, like something is wrong in the world around you. You're not sure what it is and how you got here. And this nagging sense that something should be different. Like it's eerie. It's a really eerie, an interesting novel and and I haven't yet to find like the exact right way to talk about it clearly but I just think it's so worth it and I haven't seen that many people pick it up and I I know a lot of people did not like it because it isn't like it's not an easy read necessarily and the characters aren't super likable right off the bat but I thought it was really rewarding and I loved the way the ending tied everything together um another trigger warning for this one is uh, suicidal ideation forgot about that one I'll put it in the show notes too but anyway yeah this book is amazing, and I wish more people had read it so that we could talk about it. So that's Version Control by Dexter Palmer. Well, hopefully you've convinced some people to go read it. <laughs> I had, I've i never heard of this book either. Yeah. It's, so. it's, it didn't get a lot of buzz, and, and you know, it's been out for a bit, but uh, I really loved it. Go out there and read it so Jen has somebody to talk about this That's book right. <laughs> well, you're not going to like my book at all because it's all time loops. <laughs> no, I, actually, I'm so glad you picked this book because I love oh, this book. Oh, good. I love it. Okay, great. Okay, so my science fiction pick, and I was very, I, I was very thoughtful about how to categorize science fiction and fantasy, so I'm glad that mine fell into your your rule book. <laughs> so my science fiction pick is How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe. And this is by 
Charles Yu. And this is a story about a time travel machine repairman, but it's also a story about possibilities and what it means to live in the now or to choose not to, and also what it means to avoid looking back and to avoid looking ahead and focus instead on living in this kind of void where nothing good or bad uh, can happen to you. And the book, and this almost tripped me up at first, the book is written in first person as a sort of fictional memoir or like a satirical memoir. So Charles Yu is obviously not an actual time machine repairman, but <laughs> he is the main character. And the main character is a time travel machine repairman living in a science fictional universe. And there are elements of this book that kind of reminded me of Douglas Adams and the Hitchhiker's Guide, like snippets of the book are taken straight from the pages of this manual that's constantly referenced in the story, which is how to live safely in a science fictional universe. And it takes you a while to get to the reasons why this book exists and who wrote it and how. And it also reminded me of the Hitchhiker's Guide for the obvious reason that it's humorous and it's satirical and I'm finding that I really enjoy science fiction and fantasy with those satirical elements so this book ended up fitting nicely into my wheelhouse I read it specifically for this theme so I hadn't come across it until recently and the plot the plot is something like this and it ended up being harder to explain than I thought it would (laughs) (laughs) it's so strange but basically, Charles Yu has been wallowing in mediocrity. He's been doing his job and not much else. He has no life and no real friends outside of his time machine's operating system, which is named Tammy, and his dog, Ed, who's the best. And one day he does something really dumb, acting out of impulse, and he's forced to recreate his actions to avoid being caught in a time loop, the dreaded time loop. And in the process of trying to dig himself out of this hole, he goes way back into his past and he has to confront some truths about his family life and specifically his relationship with his father. And his relationship with his father has been strained. It's dogged him all his life. And his father suddenly and mysteriously disappeared from his and his mother's lives when he was um, like in the past. So this is kind of like a boy and his dog story and a father-son story. And I think when I was reading this, I was thinking about it. And I had never, obviously never asked myself this question, but I was like, what would it be like if if Doc Brown, instead of being your eccentric neighbor who pulled you into some adventures, what if he was your father? And I was like, wow, that would be really not that fun. (laughs) So... I don't know that that's what that this book reminded me of and the setting of the book is this sort of futuristic world where fiction and what we know of as reality exists exists side by side so for instance Star Wars characters are actual people in this world (laughs) and you know you have time travel and you have the ability to also choose to live in a time loop of your choice if you would like to do that for some reason And I think, like, the most frightening thing about this version of reality, in my opinion, was that it seems like time travel runs on Windows. And I was immediately (laughs) like, no, please don't ever let this be the way it is. (laughs) Yeah, grammar and a a Windows operating system. Yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. And I love grammar, but I don't know if I want it necessarily to have that much power um, over my life. So, which... (laughs) 
in my mind makes it, you know, it makes it more realistic that there's always a job for a time travel repair, uh, time travel machine repairman. And so, I mean, I, I described some of the plot, but like a memoir, this isn't a super plotty book. And I know I saw some people who were kind of like not so into it because the plot isn't that focused, I guess. It's more thinky and philosophical and very sciencey. Like I was 100% not surprised to see that my friend who happens to be a theoretical physicist read this <laughs> book. Like I was looking at it on Goodreads and, you know, your friends show up first and I was like, oh, it totally makes sense that she read this book and she loved it. Nice. Um, yeah. So it's got, you know, it's got props from a theoretical physicist. <laughs> so if, awesome. if you are a nerd for physics, I am not necessarily that, but I think you'll love this book if you are. And I loved it anyway. At times I did find the science disorienting, but, you know, I felt very smart reading it anyway. It's kind of like how I felt reading Yoona Lee's Nine Fox Gambit in terms oh, of, like, yes. that math. Like, some of that stuff I was like, wow, this is completely over my head. Um, mm -hmm. Not a science-y math person. But I don't know. The humor and the philosophy and the thinkiness of it really balanced that out for me because sometimes I find it difficult to get into books that are very science-leaning. So I would definitely give it a look if you're on the hunt for, like, satirical, funny um, time travel. It's kind of like – it's lighter than it maybe sounds. There are definitely some issues that are dealt with here, like relationships with parents and things like that. But I really enjoyed the reading experience. And again, that was How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe by Charles Yu. So I have a I have a story about this book. Ooh, I want to hear it. Um, so I think the public I was a bookseller when this came out, and the publisher had sent me a copy, and I read it, and I was obsessed with it. I was so obsessed with it, <laughs> and I was to the point where I I created an authorized fan Twitter account of Phil, what? the like the 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 like boss computer yes. from the book. Yeah, yeah. I made I made a Twitter account for Phil. <laughs> oh my um, goodness. And like Charlie, you knew about it and we like emailed briefly and it was like this whole thing. Um I was just I was so obsessed with this book when it came out. That is the most amazing your nerd cred like shot through the roof. <laughs> Like, that is the most amazing story. I'm a ridiculous ever. human. I don't even know what to tell you. I love it was it short lived, so but it was really fun while it lasted. And I just, yeah, I love, I love that book. Um, he's got a short story collection out that's also really great called Sorry, Please Thank You. Um, and he was the guest editor for last year's uh, Best of American Sci Fi and Fantasy. So awesome. he's all over the place, deservedly so. Charles Yu is great. Um, but yeah, yep, super, super. Super, super nerd for that book right That's here. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm so glad I picked that. I'm too. I'm so glad you liked it. Okay. Um, also, I want your theoretical physicist friend to read version control and tell me what she thinks. Okay. And I will tell I her. her. <laughs> you, will you tell her? Okay. I absolutely will.
Um, all right, so my fantasy pick is also sort of a horror pick. Lauren Bucus is one of the only horror writers I read because she is just that great, and I love her that much, so I will suffer for her art. Um, and I picked her book, The Shining Girls, um, which comes with a trigger warning for graphic violence against women because this is a book about a time-traveling serial killer. Woo! Yay! Um, it's awful. Oh, my gosh, he's the worst. Um he is, yeah, literally a time-traveling serial killer who uses this, like, gross, creepy, somehow supernaturally aware house that um, exists in Depression-era Chicago, and, like, one of the doors opens onto other times. And he, like, gets into this weird symbiotic relationship with this house and uses it to travel throughout time, like, finding victims. And... One of his victims survives. Um, her name is Kirby, and she manages to survive being attacked by him. Um, and she's like the only one. And she ha- has spent basically her whole life trying to figure out like where this guy went because you know, like the police couldn't find him. There were no leads, like because he's a time traveling serial killer. Um, but they don't know that. And so and so the farther she gets, like the older she's like in her 20s, I think, when the book opens up, um, you see her sort of trying to track him down and and start to like figure out that something supernatural is going on and like nobody believes her. Um, and it's really oh, it's so creepy and intense. And part of what makes this book hard to read is that you do get sort of POV chapters of the serial killer like hunting his victims and they're like they go into different historical time periods which is both cool and terrible because he's just there to kill women um so it's not like a light fun happy times book clearly um but if you think like if that premise appeals to you learn because is just so good at execution like her her concepts are so out there and then she delivers on them like it, like all the details are there like the historical details and like what makes the house so creepy and you know the serial killer and then Kirby herself like it's just it's just really amazing and ultimately you know seeing a woman take vengeance against her attacker is very satisfying um and especially in you know modern times and so um so yeah like obviously this is not a situation you would ever want to live through but it was in certain ways very satisfying to read um and yeah it's just it's just a crazy book it's a crazy book like all of her (laughs) books um but it's if you like creepy and you like serial killer storylines and you like you know vengeance stories um and you like time travel it has all of those things so again that is the shining girls by lauren bucus i 100 percent believe that that is creepy because i read broken monsters also by her and <laughs> i love broken monsters that book creeped me out it's so, so much. creepy it's so dark i know and it's so funny that i like i'm just so attached to her writing because the first book she wrote that i read was called zoo city which is an urban fantasy set in johannesburg Ooh. that's like it's really good it's got a murder in it but it's not actually that scary and so i was like oh she's she's like a cool urban urban fantasy writer and then I picked up the shining girls and I was like what am I reading and I almost didn't finish it but I pushed through and then I was so glad that I had because ultimately it was worth it like I understand like just in the context of reading her why people are like yeah but it's so good it's like okay yeah I can get behind it 
but in a very limited set of authors, and and she's one of them. Yeah, I, I have to put that one on my list. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Um. So my fantasy pick is the girl from Everywhere by Heidi Heilig. And Time Pirates. This is Time yes. Pirates. I don't know if anybody else remembers that movie, Time Bandits. No, I do. I used to love that movie when I was a kid, even with its terrible, horrifying ending. But this mm. is this is not Time Bandits. This is a YA fantasy with historical fiction and a little bit of romance. So the story follows a young woman who works on this caravel that travels through time. Uh, which sounds amazing. Like, I'm fascinated by stories that involve ships for some reason, even though the open seas kind of terrify me. <laughs> I was like, time-traveling caravel sounds fun. Um, and this is another story where there's a strained, re- a strained relationship between father and child. I don't know. It must be a consequence of time travel or something. But uh, Nyx is the main character. She has an important role aboard The Temptation. But... Her father's pursuit through time, he's headed for 1868 Honolulu, and his pursuit is one she's reluctant, at the very least, to help out with, and her only confident uh, confidant aboard the ship and her best friend is Kashmir, who's this young man. He's a thief and the ship's newest crew member, and he's also this debonair character who speaks a bunch of languages and is wily and gentlemanly, and you can tell he's definitely a fan favorite among readers of this book. Um, but Nix's only chance of, of securing a future that actually belongs to her, not her father, is learning navigation and she's really good at finding just the right kinds of maps necessary for traveling through time there are all sorts of things she has to do to find these maps that will actually get them from one time to another but navigation is her father's skill and maybe because he knows what she's up to um, he only feeds her bits and pieces of knowledge about navigation. He's really stuck in the past. He's intent on changing the course of history to reclaim a lost love. And his single-mindedness frightens Nix because he doesn't seem to account for her existence while he's plotting the course to this better version of the past he's pursuing. But then Nix becomes more desperate to find her way off her father's ship because the direction he's taking them might mean her end. So when they do end up arriving in Honolulu of a certain time, Nix takes matters into her own hands and she sets out to learn more about the mother that she lost. And there are definitely fantasy elements in this book that are familiar, including a pocket dragon, which is super adorable, kind Mm. of like... Reminds me of, you know, the Sorcerer to the Crown. I love that. Um, But there's some romance. There's a heist. There's great descriptions of food, which is always a plus for me. And then there's cartography. If you're a fan of cartography and fantasy maps and those sorts of things, um, definitely an element of this book. And there's also a lot of diversity on the page. Heidi Heilig is a, a biracial woman from Hawaii, as is the main character. So this is an own voices book. <clears throat> And it's a really good time travel novel for people who don't care as much about the science of time travel, but who are fascinated by ships and enjoy really lush and detailed descriptions of places, both real and fictional, and fans of historical fiction who want to be taken to places less traveled in stories. I'd never read any fiction set in Hawaii before this book, so I really enjoyed learning more about that part of the world, even though... Unfortunately, you aren't you aren't likely to find dragons in Hawaii. But this is a big. Oh man! I know, right? 
darn it. (laughs) (laughs) This is a really big book, um, especially if you're used to a certain size book for YA fantasy. It's a big book. It's heavy with description. And it takes a really detailed approach to storytelling, uh, which you may appreciate. So The Girl From Everywhere, it is part of a completed duology. So you don't have to worry if you really enjoyed it and you don't want to be left in the lurch. You can go up and pick up the second book in the series, uh, which is The Ship Beyond Time, that's already available. But again, I've been talking about The Girl from Everywhere by Heidi Heilig. All right. And that's our show. Yay. Thank you all so much for listening to us as we croaked our way through this episode of, of SFF Yeah. Um, you can email us at sffyeahbookriot.com. You can send us your thoughts on things we've talked about or ideas for themes. Those are always fun to see. Um, you can also, if you have a moment, review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other folks to find the show, and we love to see your feedback. You can find us online. I am on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, and that is Jen with two N's. And you can find me on Instagram at Williams. That's S-C-A-I-N-A-B Williams. And we'll talk to you next time.